Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 120 of End of the Bench. On this episode, I'm going to be talking about all of the awards that were announced this past week in Major League Baseball. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Manager of the Year. I was not shocked with some of the announcements. Um, I was almost perfect with my predictions. The MVP for the American League, I was wrong. We'll dive into actually all that at the second part of the show. And also, I'll talk about the top 10 free agents for this 2020-2021 free agency. Huge names. I'll give you my top 10 list. I just wrote a long, long blog about it. I just put it out now. I put out a Martin Stroman blog about um, him re-signing and accepting that qualifying offer with the Mets. That one, that article blew up for some reason. I don't know why. It blew up. So go check that out. End of the bench. Blog. Go look it up. All my blogs are there. But we're going to start off the first half of the podcast. And we'll take a break and go into all the other stuff I just mentioned. Kim Ang, and she is the new general manager for the Miami Marlins. She is the first woman to be named general manager in that that position by any professional men's sports team in North America. Kim Ang is the highest ranking woman in baseball operations among any MLB team. Holy crap. Now, a lot of these teams, a lot of teams have gutted their gutted their front office, you know, as recently the New York Mets with Steve Cohen. I know I'm, I'll probably talk a little bit about that and his hiring. I know that's kind of old news. Um, I think the Mets are in great shape to win a bunch of division titles. He has the money. He has the passion to win. He wants to win. And I'll talk about some of the guys that might be a New York Met in uh, 2021. But let's talk about Kim Ange. You know what? There's a lot of teams that are looking for new general managers, new people to run an organization. And the Miami Marlins were a team when Derek Cheater became part owner, you know, the guy was going to oversee everything. He gutted, gutted the entire organization. And I mean, like, I mean, if you don't know, Christian Yelich, gone. Marcel Zuna, gone. JT Romero, gone. Stanton, gone. D. Gordon, gone. The best players they had. All gone. A lot of money on the table. Stan, of course, you know, $300 plus million. But Derek Jeter traded away all these people. Yelich and Stanton, MVPs. D. Gordon, all-star second baseman. One of the fastest guys in the league. Good base dealer. Marcel Zuna, who arguably had an MVP type year this year, has always been a great player since he's left. JT Romuto is the best catcher in all of baseball. Gone. So you have all those guys departing, and and Marlins fans are like, yo, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Well, Jeter has a plan. Now, I talked about on this podcast many times before that Jeter is digging his own grave. Why would you be doing this? Why would you be trading away and give your get rid get rid of all this great talent that you know is gonna be the future of your franchise? 
But Jeter wanted a whole new look. He wanted his team, right? I get it, right? You wanted your own guys. It's like when a, you know, a manager gets hired. The whole freaking staff usually, the whole coaching staff usually gets fired, and then that manager will bring his own team in, right? Like Aaron Boone was the new manager for the Yankees. He hired, he he brought his own boys, his guys. Rocco Baldelli brought his own guys, right? Derek Shelton brought his own guys. That's how it usually goes. But with Jeter, he decided to gut house. And it took a couple of years for the Marlins to get good. And look at this. They made the postseason for a team that had no business in making the postseason. Zero. And in the first round, wildcard series, kicked the Cubs' ass right out. Shocked the world. So now you have the Marlins who had no business in being in the postseason, made the postseason, went out of the trade deadline and actually got someone to help their team out in Starlin Marte. When that happened, I saw like, oh, the Marlins think they're for real, right? Now let's look. If the, if there was no second wild card, whatever, there wasn't two wild card teams from each division, make each league making it, okay, Marlins wouldn't make it. But we're talking about what's going on now, and they made it. So now the Marlins are going from the a team that had no business in being in the playoffs, no business in competing, to a team that next year could be competing for a wild card spot. I don't think they're going to be competing for a division title next year. They're going to try to. But the Braves are too damn good, and the Mets are going to be great next year with what Steve Cohen might do this offseason. But the Marlins just got someone that could potentially put them way over the top. Now, I didn't know who Kim Ang was. I've heard of the name. I didn't know anything about her. I knew she was with the Yankees for a short period of time. Being a Yankee fan, knowing baseball and stuff like that, you come across, you start... You know, if you're really into baseball, right, or if you're really in any sport, you start diving into just more than just the players, right? You dive into, you know, scouting person, the scouting department. You start diving into front office people, and sometimes you see names over and over again. And I saw when I, I'm a nerd, baseball nerd, so I like looking up stats, and I saw her name one time looking up stats and looking at old rosters and front offices back in the day, whatever. So I saw her name, but I didn't know anything about her. Well, she she's this she deserves this spot. Like she's worked her ass off. She has more than thirty years of experience in baseball, beginning as an intern with the Chicago White Sox back in nineteen ninety. Her time in the professional in her profession predates the existence of the freaking Marlins, who were founded in nineteen ninety one. She's worked today with the Yankees from 98 to 2001, which you know the Yankees won a World Series in 98, 99, and 2000, and they lost in the World Series in 2001. So she's been around winning baseball. And who else was she around during that time? Derek Jeter. Hmm. Look at the look at the relationship there. Then she left the Yankees in 01 to go play with the Dodgers, to go in the Dodgers front office from 2002 to 2011. And then from 2011 until this year, she was in the MLB's commissioner's office. So Ang began the assistant director of baseball operations with the White Sox 
back in 19, uh, during her time with the White Sox. And staying with the team through 1996 and 97, she spent a season as a director of waivers and records for uh, American League office. Then with the Yankees, going to the Yankees, then she became the youngest assistant general manager in Major League Baseball at the age of 29. She also was she was also the second woman named to that position. Going on now to the Dodgers. She was the vice president in baseball and, and assistant general manager and in 2004 served as the club's farm director of the year. She's worked since 2011 as the senior vice president of baseball operations for Major League Baseball. So she's worked from the absolute dirt bottom as an intern, getting coffees, printing out stuff, doing spreadsheets, doing all the stuff that nobody wants to do. And she's worked her way up to being assistant director of baseball operations, to being a director of waivers and records for the American League uh, office, to becoming the youngest G- assistant GM in Major League Baseball, to the, then becoming a vice president and assistant general manager in, in 2004 with the Dodgers, and then becoming the senior vice president of baseball operations, and now the general manager for the Miami Marlins. What a freaking moment for baseball. For baseball, but for women in sports. I follow a bunch of women in sports. And I'm going to give a shout out to, um, let's see, Gab Gowdy, friend of mine. Sarah Griffin, who I follow a ton. Funkshell, I follow her. Shout out to her. I've given shout outs to all three of those girls before. But I follow a bunch of women on social media that are trying to get up into this industry. And they always have a hard time because... People don't take them seriously because they're a woman. Well, that is, first of all, if you're a dude saying that, one, if you're a dude in sports saying that, you shouldn't be in sports. And two, if you're a dude in general saying that, you're a douchebag. That's it. Flat out. You just aren't a smart human being. Because because guess what? There's a lot of women in sports that know a fuck ton of sports. L. Duncan, who I've interviewed. What about like Diana Rossini, Aaron Andrews? Just talk about like the best in the game. They're amazing at their job, right? Amazing. And yet, sometimes people give them shit because they're a woman and they don't know sports. It's bullshit. It's just bullshit. And this is an amazing step in the right direction to bring more women in sports. We're seeing referees in the NFL and referees in the NBA that are women, right? Now we have one of the highest, actually it's called the highest ranking in the, in the baseball operations world for baseball. She is with 29 other GMs and she's the only woman. That's some badass shit. She is a trailblazer, breaking barriers. She's leading the charge. I can say a bunch of those different uh, sayings. She's a force to be reckoned with. Okay? Look at her resume, dude. I just read her resume, and I forgot to add this. Eight postseason appearances, six championship series victories, three World Series rings on her finger. 
from 98 to 2000 with the Yankees. This is a statement from her. She said, I entered Major League Baseball as an intern, and after decades of determination, it is the honor of my career to lead the Miami Marlins as their next general manager. And said in a statement, we are building for the long term in South Florida, developing a forward thinking, collaborative, creative baseball operations made up of incredible talent, uh, incredible talented staff who have over the last few years laid a great foundation for success. This challenge is one I didn't take lightly. When I got into this business, it seemed unlikely a woman would lead a major league team, but I am. Wow, dude! I, you know, it's 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 just, it's just amazing. My goal is now to bring a championship baseball to Miami. I am both humbled and eager to continue building the winning culture our fans expect and deserve. Well, Kim, you got a lot of work to do because the Florida Marlins and the Miami Marlins era—they have only had two rings since 1991. They haven't been good for. I don't know, 99% of their teams. Only two really realistically, they've only had three good years. And it's the three only three times they went to the postseason. In ninety seven when they won a ring, and in two thousand and three when they won a ring, and then this past year when they went to the postseason and shocked the world by winning that first round against the Cubbies. But like she she is going to absolutely kick ass at this job. Imagine all, and I further add this too. She's an Asian American too. Talk about female, first female Asian American general manager. Check it off the freaking box, dude. Check it off all the boxes. Derek Cheater knows what he's doing. We talked, and look, you're listening to this. You talk shit about it. I talk shit about it on this own podcast. A lot of other people in this baseball world, in sports world, talk shit about how Derek Jeter was handling himself and this team. Gutting this team out to the freaking worst players you could find on the market, right? Guys that couldn't make 29 other teams or 27, 26 other teams, but they made the Marlins because they're not great. But guess what? Jeter knows how to win, man. Five freaking rings in his time. He's made the he in, during his time as a player. He did not make the postseason. He didn't make the postseason only one time. I'm pretty sure that was in 2008, last year at Yankee Stadium, the original Yankee Stadium. This guy knows what he's doing. Five-time World Series champion, a Hall of Famer. We all said he couldn't do it. We all thought he was going to be run out of town. Everybody hated him. Everyone in Miami hated Everyone in the state of Florida hated Derek Jeter. What the fuck are you doing, dude? You have no idea what you're doing. But guess what? He did. He did. He proved us wrong. He made the postseason with a bunch of, you know, bear new, a bad news bears kind of group. Brian Anderson. And Miguel Rojas and Jesus Andahar um, and Starling Marte. Just a bunch of guys. Throw them together. 
and they went out and won games. It's time to recognize women in sports. It's such a pain. It's such it sucks that I have to say that. You know, in the media world, there's a ton. Garcia Thompson and Aaron Andrews and Diana Rossini, Al Duncan. Um, you know, there's tons. And they've proven, and they're still trying to prove, which is unfortunate, that they're that they that they belong, right? That they belong. That they are just as good as men in this business. But what people what but women are still trying to prove is actually in sports franchises. If it's broadcasting for a sports franchise, if it's working in as an assistant, if it's working um, as a ref, whatever, you're working around sports franchises, it's that, that seems like we haven't gotten there yet. And this is a huge step in the right direction. Look, you know how many kids are looking at this? Look at girls that play softball or they love baseball, love baseball, watching with their dad, their mom, their brother and sister, love watching as a kid, right? And they say like, hey, if Kim Ange can do it, I can do it too. That's so empowering. That's so freaking cool that there's now an example out there for little girls to see that if you work your, this is the definition of grinding, people. This is the definition of never giving up on your dreams. Look, I haven't hit my career goals yet. Still got to work hard. I, I Look, dude, I, I'm i looking up to Kim here. Kim worked her ass off for the last 30 years to get to her career goal. She probably sacrificed so much. Personal life, family. I don't know if she has kids. I don't, I don't, I don't know this. I don't know if she has a husband and wife. I don't know if she's married. I, I don't know. I don't know anything. But what I know is in this business, if it's in sports media, if it's in sports, if it's in the front office, if it's a player, whatever, you have to make some serious sacrifices if you want to hit your goal. And I, I've had to make some sacrifices along the way, not as major as maybe she's done. You know, I've had to miss birthdays, miss holidays, miss family events, miss, uh, you know, I've had to miss personal things for myself. So if you want to hit your goal, for anybody listening out there that wants to hit their goal, if it's in sports media, if it's in sports in a, in a business sense of it, if it's you want to hit your career goal in finance, whatever it is, be a veterinarian, I don't care. But if you have a career goal in mind that you think you can achieve, right, that you think it's in your grasp, it's in your reach, and you see it kind of going a little, as you get closer, it starts pulling away still. So it's trying to pull you on, right? You see it in the distance. You're about to touch it, and it walks back a little farther. And you're like, fuck, I'm almost there. I can just almost touch it. This is what Kim's been feeling like for the last 30 years. It's right It's right there. And she worked her ass off. As she kept climbing up the ladder and working hard, others started quitting and falling out and falling behind. And saying, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to, you know, do a, a basic job and just, I can't do this anymore. I have no money. I'm stressed out. I'm depressed. Whatever. 
Kim probably felt all this stuff along the way. But as she worked hard, she moved up the ladder and others fell and then opened the door for Kim to become the very first female Asian American general manager in all of sports. It's so freaking awesome. It's super inspirational. I saw it this morning. I was like, holy crap, I got to read more about it. I was just about to record my podcast at like 1030. I'm now recording at like 1230 right now. I said to myself, I, I got to hold on. This is my name and main story. I was to talk about the awards right now, but this is the first part of the podcast. I got to read up on it. She killed it. I love to talk about this with other people. You know, I've been going solo as you can, you know, you've been listening for a while now since like February. Um, having guests on here and there. But what I'm saying is I would love to talk about this with other women or even men too, you know, get their, you know, their uh, opinions on it. But I look, I'm, I'm going to end this right now and we'll go take a quick break. I'm going to talk about it for 20 minutes so far. Um, it's awesome. This is just not, it's not only amazing for baseball, it's amazing for sports and it's just amazing in general. When you're having like other news outlets that don't talk about sports or talking about this, it's bigger than sports. That's all I got to say. Kim, congratulations. I hope the Marlins absolutely kick ass. I hope she I hope, I hope they can actually spend some money and go out to get some of these free agents because uh, we're actually going to talk about some of those free agents. The guys on my list, I don't think any of them will go to the Florida Marlins. I don't, um, excuse me, the Miami Marlins. I don't think they will. Um, but who knows? We'll talk about that. When we uh, come back from a quick commercial break from Anchor uh, right now. Okay, let's talk about the MLB Awards, the full list, the finalists, winners, all that jazz. All right. And then I post an article today. My blog, end of the bench blog, wp.wordpress.com, 2020-2021 top free agents for this off season. I'll dive into all those 10. I'll give you the short snippet, you know, short little uh, version of my article. So you can go read the whole thing. I, I kind of go really in-depth with every single player, why they're ranked number one, two, three, four, whatever. But let's talk about... The Rookie of the Year, all that jazz, um, Manager of the Year. And I tweeted out my MVP and, and Cy Young. I tweeted out my predictions. So, Rookie of the Year, I tweeted. Let's, actually, what does the list here say? What do my notes say here? All right, let's, let's just start with MVP. So, National League MVP. I said Freddie Freeman. He won last night. I wrote an article um, during the playoffs. I think the Braves were two wins away from going to the World Series against the Dodgers, and of course they ended up losing that series. But it was talking about how he was—he's been such an underrated player throughout his career, right? He's been um, on some really shitty Braves teams. He's been on some really good Braves teams over the over his career, but he hasn't been given the recognition that he deserves. He's been overshadowed by a really good first baseman in the National League, like Anthony Rizzo who was, you know, who's still a very good first baseman, won a World Series in 2016, so it's over, over, you know, overshadowing him. You have Paul Goldschmidt, who was MVP caliber player, 
Uh, Joey Votto won an MVP during the time that, Votto, that uh, Freeman's been around. Um, Miguel Cabrera in the American League, arguably the best right-handed hitter of all time. Uh, he's up there. So you have all these great Prince Fielders. So you have all these really good first basemen during the time. Well, Mark Teixeira, too, during his time. Um, people could argue about that. But what I'm saying is Freeman did not get the recognition, right? So now he's finally in a shortened season. All the attentions on baseball right now. All the attentions on how these players w- will perform. And, of course, to start the season, Freddie Freeman gets COVID. He said it was the worst thing ever. Horrible. Thought he was going to die. He has a, he's a very young child, you know, has a wife. You know, their, 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 their family lives are just beginning. And he gets COVID, and it's like baseball's put on hold. Everything's on hold. And then he realizes, like, look, I, look, you know, he has COVID. He gets past that. Sorry, right, I want to get oh, let's start. Let's start the season now. Gets in the groove, winning games. The Braves are really good. Now remember, like your playoffs don't really matter. They don't matter at all when it comes to winning these awards. And you could get like people would say, oh, Mookie Betts won the, you know, he's uh won the World Series, played great in the postseason, whatever. Yeah, but like that doesn't matter when it comes to winning the MVP. Cy Young, whatever. But Freddie Freeman deserves this, man. His slash numbers were insane. I mean, the guy batted 341 this year. Mashed. I think he had 53 RBIs in 60 games or something like that. So the guy was definitely deserves this award. Now, uh, Machado was also nominated here. Um, after his for a, a tough, really tough first year with the Padres, he definitely bounced back in the short season, batting 304, 16 dingers um, in 60 games. He was also an above-average defender at third base, but uh, and he also won the Silver Slugger, but this is definitely for Freddie Freeman's award. For the American League, I predicted New York Yankees infielder DJ LeMahieu. He was fourth in MVP last year. He was third this year, an MVP, he dominated. His slash numbers were insane. He won the batting title, but he and he also led the majors in average, which I said the 364 average, and led the AL in OPS. But Jose Abreu, man, he was insane. So he led the entire league in RBIs with 60, 60 RBIs, 60 games. He led the majors in total bases, 148. Led the league in hits with 76. Slugging percentage at 617. And he was only second to only Luke Voigt in home runs with 19. Jose Bray was also rookie of the year in his first year. So this guy from Cuba wins the MVP. I'm pretty bummed that LeMahieu got third. I thought he well deserved to get, to get at least second. You know, at least. I, I, wish, I, th- I thought he would win it. But he won second place. Cy Young Award. I picked Shane Bieber, Trevor Bauer. Okay. Might be listening. Taylor, this, these are no-brainers. They are, but I'm still giving myself credit. Bauer, unbelievable season. Unbelievable season. He, I have some of his statistics up right here. So, NL ranks among qualified pitchers. He led the National League in ERA. He led the National League in whip and opponent's batting average, second in strikeouts, 
and sixth in innings pitched in the National League. Stupid numbers. Best season of his career, wins the Cy Young, well-deserved. DeGrom was trying to go for his third straight. Now, it's like, this is like a good debate to have, right? He doesn't have the wins, right? The debate is, is he worth a Hall of Fame spot in Cooperstown? I think he's on pace. Two, two Cy Youngs. Like, imagine, I think if he got his third straight Cy Young, I think it's definitely a clear-cut, like, you know, way to get into the Hall of Fame, right? He has the strikeouts, the ERA's low, the whip's low, innings pitches high, um, you know, war's ridiculous, whatever. All these numbers are great, but, like, I would love to talk about that with, like, a Mets guy. If it's, like, a huge Mets fan or someone covers the Mets, I would love to ask that. But with Trevor Bauer, man, well-deserved. He's going to absolutely tear it up this offseason when it comes. He already has been teasing us, all of us, offseason with number, like where he's going to play, whatever. But I can see he's going to get a ton of money this offseason. AL Cy Young Award, I picked it with Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, unanimous winning of the Cy Young. Bieber. Over 12 starts, he led the majors in ERA with a 163, strikeouts 122, ERA plus a 281, FIP at 2.07, and Ks per nine, 14.2 Ks per nine. That is shoving, dude. The man shoved all year long. Well-deserved. Kenta Maeda and Hunter Ryu were also nominated, but it was they weren't even close. They weren't in the same ballpark. Uh, for Rookie of the Year finalists, I predicted Kyle Lewis and Devin Williams. Your nationally winner, Devin Williams. He was absolutely filthy this year out of the Brewer bullpen, allowing a single earned run over 27 innings pitched out of the pen. That single run came on a home run back on July 22nd, 27th in his second appearance of 2020. He didn't allow an earned run. The rest of the freaking year. Earlier in the year, I talked about Jake Cronenworth was the front runner, and then Devin Williams starting to really pick it up. But Cronenworth was nominated. 26 years old, played all over the Padres infield this year. Becoming very versatile for this for the Padres lineup. He batted 285, four home runs. Over 54 games. And Alec Baum, which came out of nowhere, he got, I think he got called up in the middle of the 2020 season. He had four home runs, 44 games this year, and he hit 338 with 11 doubles. So this kid played third base. Looks like he's going to be the future for uh, addition with the Phillies. Maybe they can keep JT Ramuto with Reese Hoskins and Harper and McCutcheon. You kind of bring that those guys together. Maybe they can do something in the National League East. Who knows? But Devin Williams, man, well-deserved. And I, I, I wrote this blog, and I said, like, oh, the 2020, you know, award season's over. There is actually one more awards tonight. I think it's tonight. It's the um, all-MLB team. Okay, so once that's done, then it's over. So And I, and I can tell you this right now. Devin Williams will be on that list on the all-MLB team because they, they award two uh, relievers. I think, or two pitchers. Yeah, it's two. I think it's two relievers. I think, or yeah, they have five starting pitchers and two relievers. Um, 
And then for the American League Rookie of the Year finalist, I said Kyle Lewis, and he won. Kyle Lewis from the Mariners, who made his debut in 2019, but he was qualified for the, a rookie season in 2020. He batted 262, 11 home runs, 58 in 58 games, which tied the league among rookies. He legit um, played like dog shit in the last month of the a month of the year. He was, I think. It was him and Lewis Roberts were in that tight race to whoever would be the rookie of the year. They were like neck and neck, and then they both fell off. But Lewis Roberts fell off even more. Lewis Roberts is going to be, I think, a better overall player than Kyle Lewis when it's all said and done. Lewis Roberts is your uh, uh, definition of a five-tool player. So the White Sox got a talented, talented player. Kyle Lewis, congratulations to all the rookie of the year. And then your managers of the year, this is the one I got wrong. National League, I got right. Now, National League, I got right. The American League, I got wrong. National League, I picked Don Mattingly over David Ross and Jason Tingler. It's pretty obvious, man. The Cubbies, it was going to be either a second-place finish, <coughs> a wild card. Maybe if they're lucky, they would win the division. But they were to go. It's Grandpa Rossi, who... Um, was around for that 2016 World Series. It's a big part in that World Series. So, yeah, nominated. Great. He wasn't winning. Jace Tingler, I would say, could have had an. I think he. If Manley wasn't around in this, in the top three, Tingler would have got it. Because people were like, who the hell is this guy getting hired by the Padres? Where did he come from? Why him over certain some other guys? But the Padres made their first postseason appearance since 2006 and went 37-23 and 23 in the second-best record in the National League West. But it was pretty obvious. Don Mattingly took the Marlins to their first winning season since 2009. And now they have a new general manager. They got some young up-and-coming players. They got a little money to spend, I think. Who knows? Probably not enough money to go compete for a... Uh, National League East title since the Braves are there. But look, Manley, who's had experience winning with the Yankees, not a lot, because during his time the Yankees weren't that great in the mid in the in the eighties and early nineties. Only when he retired they became great again. But he won with the Dodgers. And then he became a Marlin. And now he's been pretty successful not really successful, he's been really rough teams, but now he's successful and congratulations to him. The one I got wrong, I Hmm. Okay, so you had Kevin Cash, Rick Renteria, and Charlie Montoya. I picked Charlie Montoya. Montoya and the Blue Jays lost 95 games in 2019 and bounced back to win 32-28 and 28 record in 2020, their first over 500 record since 2016. It's really more impressive because, like, they didn't even play in Toronto. They played in a AAA affiliate. In in uh in Buffalo, the Buffalo Bison Stadium. Okay, so they play there. That's one thing. Two, all the whole team is freaking young, dude. They have a bunch of toddlers playing on that team, and they had no reason to go this far. They didn't make the postseason, but they had no reason to be this good, right? It was supposed to be a couple of years. Like they gave Montoya, like you know, all right, look, we'll give you two three years. Work this team. We'll be good in two, three years, whatever, with Guerrero and then Dante Pichette and Biggio. 
and then they started like figuring it out with pitching. Shout out to my guy Anthony K. Shout out Long Island native, War Melville alum. He pitched great down the stretch in the bullpen, but they had like their starting pitching start, and their bullpen is what brought them to this point. And I thought Montoya was well had this in the bag. It would have been really funny if Rick Renteria got it. Now I thought, now look, imagine if, if Rick if Rick Renteria had his job still, my vote for would have been to Renteria. Because they finished 32 and 25 in the AL Central. Now, yes, they fall dramatically towards the end of the stretch. At one point, they were first place in the American League. They had the best record in the American League. And then they fell a ton. They still went to the Elk Wildcard series. But he was fired and replaced by the alcoholic drunk driver Tony LaRussa in October. I didn't even talk about Tony Russo. I mean, there wasn't really talk about it. It's kind of old news with also the Steve Cohen, but um, it's last week's news. But the thing is, man, it's like Rick Renteria has been coaching horrible White Sox teams, you know, just going through guys that just cannot pitch, cannot field, cannot hit. And now he's got a squad, and they let him go. For freaking Tony Russo, this old-school manager who clearly cannot stop drinking. And telling him, do you know who I am? Imagine saying that, like, do you know who I am? First of all, you just get smacked in the face. And two, if you say that, put the guy in cuffs in a second for saying that shit. Let alone just being a drunk and driving. Can't do that. But Kevin Cash won. Now, yes, today you have the best record, 40-20. and 20, Going to the World Series, losing the World Series. Yeah. Were they the best team in the American League? Yeah. Kevin Cash. Changing the game. Yeah. Very impressive. I still think Charlie Montoya should have been the guy. But look. I did pretty good. Two, four, six, eight. I was seven for eight, kids. Not bad. Not bad at all. Now let's talk about free agency now. Wrote an article I just told you about. Top ten. Free agents available. Mookie Betts was going to be that guy. But in July, he signed that giant extension. 12 years, $365 million. I think it was July or January. I think it was July. Whatever. Right before this. I think it was right before the season started. Um, I don't know. Uh, but he's not a huge extension. So he took, took himself off the shelf, but there's still a number of guys on that list. And the number one guy is JT Real Muto. Played for the Phillies in 2020. And I don't think he'll be there coming 2021. Is he the best catcher in the game? Without a doubt. Without a freaking doubt. The guy's the best catcher in the league on both sides of the ball. Right? Defense, one of the best pop times in all of baseball. I couldn't find his numbers this year because I think they haven't tallied it yet. But from 2015 to 2019, he was in the top three pop times to second base. Now, offensive side of the ball, amongst among catchers in the league the last two years, He's second in home runs, first in RBIs, first in stolen bases, which if you've got a catcher who can steal bases, like that's like you don't see that ever. He's second in slugging, second in caught stealing percentage, and first in war at 5.6. And if if a team needs a catcher, well, there's only two or three. So you have Real Muto, McCann, James McCann, 
for the White Sox, and then you have Yadier Molina at my third spot, who I don't know if he's looking at the Cardinals. There's rumors that he might not be with the Cardinals. He might go to the Mets or the Yankees, I've heard, that are on the list. But JT Vermuto is a guy you want, and I see him going to the New York Mets. Here's why. Wilson Ramos, the catcher throughout that year in 2020, horrendous. Really not a good offensive season. A ter- terrible catcher. Terrible catcher. Look at the highlights. Horrible. Could not control pitching staff. Couldn't do it. Get him out of town. It's time to get JT. You want JT is a good good catcher when it comes to managing a pitching staff. With Dubrom, Syndergaard, now Stroman. You add him in that mix, in that lineup, and also how to, to help coach this pitching staff as well. Be a great addition. They haven't had a elite catcher since Mike Piazza. It's been a minute. Second guy on my list, DJ LeMayhew. LeMayhew had that two-year contract with the Yankees in 2019. Two years, $24 million. And then he's been on fire ever since. Um, back-to-back years in the top five in MVP. He's batting champion this year. He's a versatile versatile guy, can play all all over the infield. You don't find that nowadays. He declined that qualifying offer, just like I wanted to mention Springer and Bauer and um, and JT Romero. They all declined that qualifying offer. So what does he do now? I think the only team on my list is going to be the Yankees. They need to resign him. Give him a blank check. That's what we got to do. Give him a blank check. Age 32 season, maybe give him like a five-year deal, $100 million, maybe more. I'm serious. Just go. You have to give him all the money. Like, look, I know 32 is, is kind of old to give a guy a long-term deal. Like, you're not going to give him a 10-year deal. You're just not going to do that. You've seen so many times, time and time again, pool holes, A-Rod. You've seen all these contracts. Are they good for like six of the 10 years? Yeah, but those other four, like you're spending, you're giving him $25 million for the next four years, and he's batting under 250. It's not what you paid him for. So I say give him a five, uh, six, five-year deal with a six-year option, $125 million. Maybe 150. Who knows? He he might get more than that from other teams, but I think you need to go get him. If you're the Yankees, you need him. He can play everywhere, and you can't find an elite player like that nowadays. Third guy on my list is the guy who just won the NL Cy Young Award. It is Trevor Bauer. He's proved everybody wrong. He talks the most shit on Twitter because he can back it up. We've talked about all this, um, the whole statistics is great. Now the thing with free agency is. He has Rachel Luba, who's one of the best agents out there right now. She's the fucking bomb. Talk about a trailblazer in, in the sports agency industry. She kills it. And she represents one of the most popular players in all of sports. You can say that now is Trevor Bauer. You can absolutely say it now. She's a badass, and she's going to get this guy paid a ton of money. He's done all the work. Now Rachel's going to go give him that check. It's going to happen. And we see in the past that Bauer likes those one-year deals, right? He likes those one-year deals because you're going to get the most bang for your buck in a year, right? Your maximum earnings. So I get why he's going to do those one-year deals. 
But in September, Bauer told MLB Network Radio that he wanted he would be open to an idea of a multi-year deal. He said, I'm not afraid of the one-year deals, Bauer said. I'm not afraid of longer deals. It's going to be a case-by-case basis, and we'll see what the situation looks like. Those statistics, the Shy Young, he's going to get paid either way. If it's a one-year deal or if it's a seven, six, seven-year deal. Who knows? Now, what Barrett's been doing on social media has been teasing all of us. He's been going, tweeting, vlogging at restaurants, airports, hotels, tweeting about um, to the fans, where should I play? He's been he's been tagging other organizations in his tweets, teasing all of us. Where the fuck is he going to go? Well, my options are that I've thrown out in, in, in this blog that I wrote. I would say both New York teams would definitely be in the midst, the Yankees and the Mets. In the mix, the Yankees and Mets. I would say out of those two teams, the Mets have uh, a better option. Other teams are the Reds, which you played for, the Padres, and my sleeper team, the Giants. My favorites out of this pick is the Mets and Padres. The Mets have the pitching staff, right? Imagine if the Mets somehow get Real Muto and they try to go after Bauer. I don't know how they'll be able to do that with money. I know Steve Cohen's got billions of dollars. He's got so much money to spend, right? But how much can he spend on two two players? We've seen the Yankees do it. Maybe the Mets can do it too now. But imagine Bauer. The rotation goes DeGrom, Bauer, Syndergaard, Stroman, and I don't know who cares about the fifth. But imagine that rotation. He can handle himself with the New York media. That's going to be easy. Wherever he goes, he can handle himself with the media. It's just about playing in New York. The fans, right? The media is the hardest. It's half the battle. It's one of the hardest things to deal with. You've had players. Look, Sonny Gray is a perfect example. He could not handle it. He could not handle, unfortunately, he could not handle the New York media. He could not handle playing in New York. Look what happens. He goes on Cincinnati, fucking kills. He's killing it. It's all about handling it. If you can handle it, have the personality, the persona, right? Aaron Jones does a great job. Derek Jeter did a great job. Can Bauer do the same thing in New York? David Wright did a great job. Well, I don't know. The Padres are my other favorite team out of this bunch. The Padres are this young, up-and-coming team. A lot of firepower in that offense. Hosmer, Tatis, Machado, Myers, Trent Grisham. Just won a gold glove. Shout out. They got a young team. Offensively, they do. In the rotation, it's dirty. They just got Bauer's best friend, Mike Clevenger, former teammate, BFF. You got Lamette. You got Chris Paddock. You got Zach Davies. And you got Mackenzie Gore, too. If you don't know that kid, you should by now. Kid's a beast. Prospect. Potential. Give that kid five, six years, he'd be an ace. But imagine he goes to San Diego. Looks like a nice uniform to me. I would think Zach Davies could be the odd man out, unfortunately, if that actually happens. But I like that. 
but I also like the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds have a good relationship with Bauer. The Reds pitching coordinator, Kyle Bowdy. Bodie, however you say that. I know I butchered that last name, but it's all right. They're friends too. Kyle worked with Bauer at Driveline Training Facility, which became very popular with other major league pitchers. And he pitched really well again with the Reds. The Reds are a playoff team. They really struggled down the stretch of the year, but they are a playoff team. They have way too much talent to not make the playoffs next year. Way too much. They made the playoffs, right? Bauer play pitch great, but like I'm saying down like farther in the playoffs, like kill it in the playoffs. And the Giants are my last team in the mix here. Giants are a little different because they really like it's like a it's like a random squad, right? They almost made the playoffs this past year. The Brewers beat them out. They just took Kyle, uh, Kevin Gosman accepted that qualifying offer. So you have him. He had a great, he had a pretty damn good year with them. Jeff Samarge is getting, they released him. So it's a lot of money off the books. So they're looking to spend. The Giants have always had money, right? But it's like, when are they going to actually go out and get somebody? Maybe they might get Bauer. Who knows? And I forgot, that's not the last team on my list. But the Yankees would be the, the last, last team. As a Yankee fan, sure, I'd love to see him in pinstripes, but I don't think, like I said before, it's not because of the New York media stuff. I just don't think the Yankees, like, that's their best interest, right? They have guys like LeMahieu, Tanaka, and James Paxton they want to re-sign. I would say Tanaka and LeMahieu are definitely priorities in Paxton, um, maybe if they can work something out. And something else to note, now, if like a Bauer ever listens to this, it'd be awesome if you listen to my podcast. But to be honest, like the whole storyline of Bauer and Cole not liking each other, I don't know what to believe anymore. For a long time, I believed that that was true. And if you don't know, they were both former teammates at UCLA. Imagine Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer on the same squad. Like that's dirty in college, but imagine the pros. But what I'm saying is that they both supposedly did not like each other. They did not like each other in college as teammates, and they don't talk to each other now. But you see, you know, like, like Bauer tweeted at him during the postseason. He's pitching great. He's doing this. He's doing that, whatever. And then Bauer was asked about this, saying, like, he downplayed it. What I read, he said the feud, it's like this fictitious feud that everyone liked to, to start. And now it's this story that's, just, you know, is running on a mind of its own. So it's like, I don't know what to believe anymore. To talk about like him going to the Yankees, if it's a no, this is in the back of my mind. I would love to get a conversation with Bauer and ask, like, hey, is this a real thing? Is this really like this really a thing? I don't know. But I would say the number one teams are the Padres and Mets, in my opinion. Bauer is gonna kill it wherever he goes. He's a freaking beast. And if you don't like him on social media, honestly, you're missing out. You're missing out. I know Aubrey Hoff hates him, but guess what? I love that he hates him. Aubrey Hoff is such a loser, dude. Such a loser. He's so pissed that Bauer won the Cy Young. It's hilarious. Can't wait for Bauer to do more. Um, I hope he goes to the Mets. I'm like me sick. Watch him. I watch him every fifth day. I watch him anyway with the Cincinnati Reds. I don't care where he goes. He's gonna kill it. And him and Rachel are going to make a gigantic deal for him. If it's a one-year deal, $30 million, 
or if he's getting paid $225 million over the next six years. Who knows? He's going to make his money, and I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, next guy on my list, George Springer. He's going to land a giant contract this year at the age of 31, going into age 31 season. But it's not going to be with the Astros. They're saying they're trying to work on something. Uh, I don't I don't see that. That's what they're also saying about Michael Brantley. I'll get into him in a little bit. But with Springer, I can't see it. There's rumors that he just doesn't want to come back. He doesn't want to come back to Houston. I don't know if it's because of uh, relationships. Maybe it's because the cheating thing is hit him hard. He wants to kind of just leave the Astros and leave that 2017, that era behind and go somewhere else. I see the New York Mets are a big fit. They got an outfield, right? But why won't you just add Springer to your lineup? I like that move. I think he might go. He's a hometown kid from uh, New Britain, Connecticut, and um, went to UConn. I think it'd be a nice fit. Number five on my list is Marcelo Ozuna. Ozuna took a gamble on himself by saying, I'm not going to take that three-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds that you offered me in the offseason. I'm going to take this one-year $18 million, not $18.9, $18 million offer from the Braves. Take that. He ran with it, killed it this season as a universal, as a DH because we now know that the universal DH was implemented this year in 2020. Now, look, if the universal DH doesn't come back for him, it's going to be tough. You might, he's going to have to go to the American League. He's not a good outfielder. Go look that one play in left field. That's all I'm saying. Where he tried scaling the wall. The thing was a home run, and the ball was 20 feet in front of him, and he fell on his face. Hilarious. But guess what? It's not. He's not an outfielder anymore. He's a DH. I think they should keep the universal DH. He'll, and I think if that happens, he's going to stay in Atlanta for quite some time. Number six on my list which might be a shocker to some because there's some other, I'll give you some honorable mentions at the end, but I like Liam Hendricks. Hendricks' last two seasons has been unreal. 1790 ERA, 6.71 Ks per walk ratio, and 110 innings the last two years. It's extremely hard to find a lights-out closer or a lights-out reliever in general nowadays. Unfortunately, I don't think he'll be an A next year. It's because the A's had to pick either Simeon or Hendricks. I don't know if they have the money to get both of them because they both deserve a lot of money. Who knows? But I think if the Hendricks is available and doesn't come back with the A's, I would say the Chicago White Sox, they have Alex Colomay. Um, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but I imagine they added him to their bullpen. The Phillies' bullpen is horrendous, so add an addition like him would be great, or the San Diego Padres. I don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Rosenthal. Kirby Yates, who knows? But imagine they just add him to the mix. Great addition. Number seven, Nelson Cruz. You're probably wondering, a 40-year-old Nelson Cruz who can only hit. Well, this 40-year-old is the new 20-year-old Nelson Cruz. At, at 40 years young, he can give you 40 home runs a year. We've seen it. Four separate occasions, he's, he's on 40 home runs a year. He had a fantastic season this year, 16 home runs, 33 RBIs, batted 303. At one point, he was like looking at it as like a front runner for the MVP. But he's likely to sign like a one-year deal. I can see maybe one more year of Nelson Cruz. You're probably wondering, like, Taylor, why is he on your top 10 list and it was just one more year? But he's an impact player. You put him in the middle of your lineup, that's dangerous. He's just focused on hitting. 
He's the best DH in the, in the entire league. Uh, maybe not with Ozuna. Um, and maybe Michael Brantley. He's up there. Whatever. He's up there with the better DHs in the league. I see him on a one-year deal because he only plays one position, and I think he might re-sign and end his career. Maybe this last year with front of him ended in Minnesota where he played the last year. I think that's the best fit. Number eight, Michael Brantley. Time and time again, we see Dr. Smooth, which is the, maybe the sickest nickname of all time, um, has been rattled, has been killed with injuries, man. I, I remember I interviewed him in 2018 talking about his injuries and how he's kind of come back. And I talked to Corey Kluber about him, what impact player he was with the Cleveland Indians, and when he was on the field and when he was off the field, what it meant for both of those. And I remember Kluber was talking about, like, you know, when he wasn't in the lineup, the team was far worse, basically. It was a it was a big hole in that lineup not having him in there. But they got him now. He showed time and time again that he kills it on the field. He's one of the most consistent contact hitters in the game, and he also doesn't strike out. When healthy, the guy's strikeout rate is at eleven point four percent. It's pretty nice. Now, according to Ken Rosenthal, Michael Brownlee is quote unquote trying to work on a deal with the Astros. I don't know how they're going to do that. He just wrapped up a two-year deal with the Strohs and opted out of his qualifying offer. And the Strohs have $103 million on the books. Guys like Bregman, guys like Verlander. Granke's got a ton of money on the on the books right now. Um, they just re-signed Gurriel. I forgot what the contract was, but they just re-signed him. So I don't know if they could even re-sign him. You have to also take into account that Yonder Alvarez, who was rookie of the year, but who's also out of all of this year, um, is going to go for that DH role. He just got knee surgery on both of his knees in August, so I can't see him running all over the outfield anymore. And also, Alvarez is younger and costs a lot less than Brantley. So if you think that, business-wise, probably a nice replacement for for um, Brantley. But the Astros are in some deep waters here. So you could, they could potentially lose, which I think they will, lose Brantley and Springer to free agency. Next year, Correa is a free agent. You might lose him. So it's going to be tough. Now, I think Brantley, because of his age, um, I don't know how old he is. I think he's like 32. But I wouldn't say the age thing. More, It's more of his, his body is deteriorating quickly. So the outfield thing, I don't see it. Um, going to be in his future, I think, more of a DH role. So American League is definitely going to be in the mix. He maybe like I don't even list here, but like Cleveland Indians, maybe you know, like uh, you know, go back to the Indians. Who knows? But I see him either with the Tigers because AJ Hinch, former manager, um, likes him, whatever, and also maybe the Red Sox, maybe get a DH role in there. Who knows? Number nine on my list is. Long-time L.A. Dodger, Justin Turner. He will re-sign in the offseason with the Dodgers. The easiest pick I had on my top 10. He's played seven seasons with the Dodgers. Fan favorite. You know, we all know the controversy with the mask and the coronavirus thing. But the guy's a World Series champion. He's been in the postseason. His postseason numbers is what is very important for him in the offseason trying to find a team. 295 average, 12 dingers, 41 RBIs. I think he'll return to Chavez Ravine and his career in Dodger Blue and go off into the sunset in Hollywood. Just, you know, it's like a Hollywood scripted story. Maybe win another ring because they have the talent. 
And the last guy on my list is Marcus Simeon, shortstop for the Oakland A's. He's my final pick, and it's pretty interesting because you could look at a couple of years ago, man. He was horrible as an infielder. From 2015 to 2019, he recorded 85 errors in the 555 games. That's a ton. But in the past two seasons alone, he's changed around defensively. And also, the last two years, he's killed it offensively. That was a kind of a shocker because he was kind of an average hitting shortstop, but he's trying to he's picked it up. It's very hard to find an impact player at shortstop at a premier position like that. There's a lot of them nowadays, but when they're available on the free edging list, and you're a team that doesn't have a strong shortstop, go out and get them. It's a perfect year for him to be a shortstop too, because I just told you before there's a lot of free agent shortstops available. Guys like Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Trevor Story, and Carlos Correa. What a market that would be next year. And like I said with Liam Hendricks before, I don't know if they can even re-sign one of these guys or even either of these guys. So if Simeon walks, doesn't get picked up by the A's, I can see the Reds, Phillies, or the Angels. The Angels have a new GM, and I think they're looking to win because I think Mike Trout's sick of losing. I don't know if Simmons is going to come back as a shortstop for the Angels. I think he's a free agent, so I don't know. But um, to, to round out some honorable mentions, I have Didi Gregorius, who is in a lot of people's top tens, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, Charlie Morton, and I like Jackie Bradley Jr. as well because of the defensive side of the ball for him. So a lot of guys on free agents that are free agents. A lot of steals. I just talk about the guys that I think that are definitely worth top ten material. Top 10 money. Give me your list. Give me, you think, guys, the guys I mentioned where they would go. Is Mayhew stay with New York or go somewhere else? Is Bauer going to go to the Mets or Padres or is he going to go back home to Cincinnati Reds? Uh, or fucking, might go back to Cleveland. Who knows? Um, but look, this is what I love. I love the offseason. It's the second season for me. Major League season's big. You know, it's a long time. Regular season, 162 games. This year we got 60 games. But the offseason is a big one for me. I'm so happy it's here. I'm so pumped it's here. It's only going to get better. Um, award season's over. I'm going to write. I'm gonna start talking about more basketball because the um, next week is on the 18th, I'm pretty sure. It is the NBA draft. I'm going to talk a lot, a lot of NBA stuff, write more about more NBA stuff coming up. Um, go check my blog out, end of the bench blog, wp.wordpress.com. You find out all of that information, all the blogs, all that kind of stuff there. Working on guests for the podcast. Go find me at Taylor Ringgold on Twitter and Taylor underscore Ringgold on, on uh, Instagram. Go find Under the Bench on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, go find me on YouTube. Should I been Taylor Ringgold? Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend. We all know you guys got friends. That's the podcast. Episode 120, we done. Episode 21 is next week. Holla at your boy on social media. Would love it. Uh, we out. Talk to you guys next week. Peace. See the pussy or the karma Man, I just wanna go flex Hold on my 
Cause all these hoes know what's about to come next I hit my plug up 